Hey everybody, welcome to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast where we talk to some of the coolest people in Denmark about what they're doing here. I'm your host, Derek, here with our co-host, Mike. That's me, and today, of course, we are joined by the multi-talented, utterly fascinating, and hilarious Adrian McKinder for part two of our time together in the studio. Welcome back, Adrian. It's good to be back. It's good to be here. Let's continue and yes. have fun. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, so, so glad that you're here, and we've already talked about your career, sort of your origin story in Denmark. We've had some laughs at Marvel and um, how hilarious the Victorians are when it comes to death. Yes. <laughs> Hysterical bunch. <laughs> oh, dear. I think it's time to maybe have a little reckoning in the BFF factor because we found yes. out that you and Mike are BFFs. and Hattrick BFFs. Yes. 3 and O BNF. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And after being shut out, I want to put this to one final test and see if maybe I can sneak in there and position myself as a contender. Um, you want to claw back victory from the jaws of defeat. Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. 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 We see, can handle this. See what I can do here. Okay. And um, I want to do that by testing you both in round two of our BFF test to see how well you can work together. So, okay. And we're also going to tie in some themes that we've already <laughs> talked about, like right. history and death, okay. um, because we're going to play a game where I'm going to throw out some figures of history. Okay. And you're going to tell me if Mike has outlived them yet or not. Mike is about to celebrate his 42nd birthday. Okay, so you're not, so that means like they have to be 41 or 42? 42. Okay, so let's just so go like, 42. I think make it's it fair. even 42. So did, did, did these historical figures <laughs> make it past the 42? Highly unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> the best ones don't, no, but, uh, right. but we're lucky that Mike has. And uh, <laughs> thank, thank so you far, for that. Yeah. <laughs> so well, far. Well done on outliving, yes. outliving Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big deal when you hit your, like, your 33rd birthday. I think everybody's. Like, oh, everyone. That's the benchmark. That's exactly. I, how many miracles have I achieved? Right. <laughs> how many followers do I have on the. Uh, right. What have I done with my life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have more followers than G. I mean, we have 33,000. Oh, he, oh, he, he only had, had 12. 12. That's not fair. Pathetic. <laughs> he wasn't an influencer. Was Jesus an influencer? No, he was an enabler. Oh, to wine. Yeah. Come on. We didn't even know whether there was a teetotal wedding. Right. I mean, if you were that fun at parties and you only got 12 people to follow you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I've got other questions. Yeah, you turned water into cheap wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Bible literally says, drink the good wine first. Like, it has an instruction it's manual. a very good point. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't follow all of it to the letter. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. You know, otherwise, no. you wind up in... Yeah. You can only covet so Shopping many neighbors. your kids in half and all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah there's a lot in there that's not, not great. But uh, I digress. Let's <laughs> Wildly. Let's, let's see where we can go with this now. Okay. And um, has Mike outlived the following? So I'm going to name five people. All you right. just Here have to work together as a team. Yes. You guys decide Fine. together if Mike has outlived them or not. I'll reveal if it's right or not. You have to get three out of five correct in order to keep your BFF status. Otherwise, I'm just... Jumping in there and breaking it up. and That's uh, fine. I, know, I will say before we start, on one level, that we know that Mike has outlived all of them. He's <laughs> well, okay, well, yeah. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, let me rephrase this. Technically, he's yeah. outlived them all chronologically. Napoleon walks in now. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. 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 <laughs> so uh, the first person, is Mike currently older than Edgar Allan Poe at the time of his death? Oh, Poe. Difficult, complicated Poe. Very, yeah. very complicated. Married his man. cousin. Yeah. He was uh, full of self-loathing, yet utterly arrogant. Yes. A vicious critic he was. He, yeah. was. he was a critic in the paper. I think you've outlived him. I think I he didn't so keel too. over at about 40, He was quite 39. young because he drank himself to death. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They found him gibbering on a bench. Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. all been there. I, yeah. <laughs> 
well, just just after a Yule Forecast. Exactly. Yeah. Just as a Danish Christmas. We're all, we're all Poe. We're all a little Poe. Right? <laughs> enough, enough snaps and we're yeah. all down it's there. a little dark, a yeah, little... Yeah. 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 Never yeah. more. We all say that after yes. drinking binge. <laughs> right. Oh, never more. I, I read recently that they've re- re-examined his health and he may have had some kind of disorder because it's written that he didn't take... He would only have maybe two drinks and was just... So he was allergic yeah, to alcohol. Yeah, 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 that's what they—that's what they think. He yeah, might have had some kind of disorder. Maybe but, uh, you know, it's more fun to think of him as just some some doddering, yeah, doddering a, a, a troubled genius. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. and you are correct. He um, he died at forty. Yes. That was pretty was spot time. on. Yeah, yeah. So. it is funny in that era though. Like every picture of him looks old. Yes. He didn't look well. He, did never, he? No. he never. But he had a weird well. look about him. He had the the big forehead and the strange sort of. He just didn't look well. Yeah. They did an adaptation. They did. A, did you ever see the film The Raven with uh, John, John Cusack playing Poe? No, I didn't. And they actually really get right how he's an unlikable person. Mm. Um, but he's far too good looking. Well, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's John Cusack. It's no, he was he was a weird looking man. Yeah. Yes. yeah, he had a rough life. He probably needed some filler and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. a weekend in Turkey and yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, perfect. but they didn't do that back then. So, how about uh, the second one? So, so so far one point. Okay, mm. just got to get three. Uh, how about John? John Lennon. Ooh. Have you well, he longer? was 40. It was 1980, wasn't yep. it? I'm pretty sure he was in his 40s. I think so, too. But maybe he was... Was he 40? He was 80, so would he have been born in... If he was born in 1940. 30s? So he been 40. They're all around that age, because yeah. they're all around the same age as my mum. Okay. Um, so he was either 40 or 41 when he was killed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I bet he was younger then. So I think you've outlived Lennon. I think I outlived Lennon. <laughs> you know, and your solo work has been impeccable. <laughs> right? You know? It's amazing. I, I think of myself more as a more George Harrison type a little bit, kind of, I don't know, not at all. No. Mm. What are we going for? Did we say you've outlived I think, him? I think I outlived him. I yeah. think so. Okay, correct. Yeah, and 40. All right, spot on. Wow. Wow. All right, well done. These. Uh, kind of made these uh, a bit hard. Okay. <clears throat> um, let, let, let's, let's just muddle through then. Uh, they <laughs> are hard. They How are, dare you undermine my knowledge? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. No, it's fine. The power of deduction. We'll, yeah. we'll throw uh, maybe a harder one then. So how about uh, Mary Stewart, a.k.a. Mary Queen of Scots? Oh, um, you definitely outlived her. Mary really? Queen of Scots. Yeah, she was like 12 or something stupid, wasn't she? No. The Queen of Scots. Is she Bloody Mary? She, no, that's, Mary. that's Mary Tudor. Okay. Bloody Mary is Elizabeth's sister. Ah, okay. So she was the one that was, is the Mary in the in the Mary Mary Quite Contrary. All, all really? The, all the three blind mice. How does her garden grow? Right? Yeah, also yeah. she's like the farms. I don't know. But no, Mary Queen of Scots was trying to be put in place as the queen. Yes. And then she was killed. And then her, her lover was killed up in Holyrood in Edinburgh. Yes. And oh, then, no. Actually, I think her husband... Okay, maybe she had a lover as well. Her husband was killed in Denmark. Uh, was he? Yes, at um, oh the the castle not too far. It's on Sheeland. Um, well, the one, the Hamlet Castle. No, oh. there's another one. There's another we castle there. in Denmark. Yes, um, but yeah. she was kept in prison for a long time before being executed. Okay, yes. yeah, her husband was as well, and he haunts. I would find it very odd, just by virtue of it being during the Stuart Tudor times, hmm. that she lived longer than forty. But maybe she did. Maybe she's hung on in there. And, and then was beheaded age 43 or something. Yeah. I, this yeah. could be a wild card. Because we, also there's, the, there's that sort of probability thing because we've had two people that you've outlived. Right. It must be time for one. It's older, yes. Yeah. So let's go for it. It's like the, the exam. you got to pick C. You haven't done yeah, C yeah, in you a haven't couple. haven't done C. <laughs> yes. So you, which you, she outlived you. I think so. I think so. Yeah, she uh, <gasps> she made it to 44. 44. Wow. 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 Three for three. Three so. for wow. three. This is good. We might as well finish them off. We're then. Just, okay. You guys go, go, be no, no, we can still stumble. See if we can do it. Yeah, yeah. Which which will just be for my enjoyment, not for <laughs> anyone <laughs> right? else. How about Steve Irwin? Ooh. 
crocodile hunter. Yes, I remember. Crikey. I remember when they tried to sort of uh, say that he he died the way he wanted. Right. Doing it's what like, he loved. And it's like, I don't believe Molesting that. Molesting stingrays. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Most people would rather die peacefully having a good Correct. death surrounded by family in old age, not with a stingray embedded in their chest. No. Yes. Um, I think you outlived him. I think he was 40. I think he was younger too. 39, 40. I agree with that. I think you outlived him. I think so yeah? too. You want to go with that? Yes. Okay. I agree with that. Ah, he was 44. Oh, oh! We finally lost one. I finally get some points on the board here, guys. Point, I really finally. appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you have that. your sympathy points. You know, another thing, and maybe this maybe this speaks more to the, the good people of Philadelphia, my hometown, but the year that he died, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, play, the baseball team, yeah. played a team from Tampa Bay called the Rays, the, the, really? <laughs> the Singers. Yes. And there were a lot of signs that said, like, win it for Steve. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like... I don't know. I, I ha- of course it's tragedy, right? But the man who made a living pissing off deadly animals gets killed by a pissed off deadly animal. I mean, I mean there's an irony to this. There is, is a little. Yeah. It's yeah. what he would have wanted. Yeah. I don't yeah, right, right. Wanted well, a strong word, but it's, it's more... <laughs> no, it's what, it's what would have happened. What yes. would the Victorians <laughs> think of Well, they would man. have put him on show. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. what they would have done. Uh, which maybe what he deserved. <laughs> yeah. We'll do one more. Yes. Why, why not? I like the way you're equating, by the way, these figures from history. Harry <laughs> Queen of Scots. Steve, Steve Irwin. Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, I didn't say whose history, but okay, you're right, technically... You're right, you're right. Someone <laughs> very important to From him. the past. Yes, that's true. And on that note, then, how about Judy Garland? Oh, God, because she looked much older than she was. Because mm-hmm. she was ravaged by the end by yeah, drinking All those drugs. drugs and very yeah. sad. I th- Maybe she was your age. Again, she's clearly hovering around the 40 to 45 mark. Yeah. Just thinking about when it was, because she was a teenager with The Wizard of Oz, which mm-hmm. was, what, 39, 40? 39, that sounds right. Yeah, and then she died in the 60s. I, I don't know. I can't call this one. This is for you. Sorry. I think she was a bit older than me. I think yeah. she, while she looked like she was in her 60s when she died, I bet it was a bit mid 40s. Okay. But she was mid 40s. So she outlived you. I think she outlived. Okay. Oh, she was 47, actually. So, I mean, okay. she, okay. And, but she, she looked. <laughs> yeah, she, she lived. She, was bit, she lived. She lived. Yeah, yeah. Sad. But not half sad. Like a sad, yeah. No, it wasn't a good yeah, life. Yeah, they were no. just pumping her full of things. Well, to it, wake it was her up. heartbreaking, wasn't it? There was the time when there was no care for. This, I mean, this lasted in the cinema for decades. I mean, you look at The Exorcist now. What was that made in 73? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to get away with what they made Linda Blair do in oh, that film. Yeah. No. That's why it still shocks. Yeah. I'm amazed they all agreed, including her parents. Go, yeah, she can do that scene with the crucifix. Right. That's fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, it's not. Maybe it's not. not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe give her a break. Give yeah, her right? a little. Yeah, do yeah. we have to do the 15th take? Just wheeling right. out, you know, teenage Judy Garland, giving her a shot yeah. of some kind of like, I don't know. Some oh, sort of upper and. Upper. Yeah, yeah. And so she didn't know who she was or where she was yeah. by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Poor. Yeah. Well, on that note, that's a that's, that's a happy. happy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She <laughs> gave us so much because somewhere over the rainbow, she's still there. Of course. There we go. Hopefully, somewhere. Better, better yes. than yeah. that. That set, that Hollywood set, that, that she was tortured on. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that got That's dark. Well, speaking of uh, rough transitions, I know that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yet a seamless segue. And yet a yeah. seamless segue. Yeah. You know, going from um, from London to Copenhagen, yeah. as you did, uh, probably had to be a, a bit of a <laughs> transition. Can you remember anything that really stuck out as like a big uh, moment for you, or <clears> maybe a really stuck out as wow, that's so different than life in London. Yeah, I think because London is massive. Sure. And yeah. it's so densely populated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the entire population of Denmark is the same as South London. Right. 
right. to give a kind of frame 12, of reference. 12 million? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I was struck in a positive way by being able to get on the public transport and not have my face in someone's arm. <laughs> you know, but the weird thing is you just get conditioned to that living in London. You just know yeah. that getting on the tube is going to be horrible and you just do it. Yeah. Um, so I, was, I think I was struck by the sheer space that I was afforded. I, I was immediately struck by the lack of variety on offer. Mm. You know, and because um, it's a wealthy country, it's a wealthy city, and and I was, I thought that you know, there are so many cool things about Copenhagen, but you know, certainly the lack of variety in terms of shops. Um, I've talked about this length in the past with supermarkets and things. I think I suddenly found it frustrating. The world suddenly felt very small, mm, sure. and it's odd because I grew up in a tiny, tiny little thousand-year-old English village. You know, where the, the population was seven of us and a cat, <laughs> and and the cat had moved in. The cat wasn't right. even native. Right. Um, so I, I should be used to that kind of small thing. But I think there's the idea that Copenhagen, someone famously said it's the village that thinks it's a city. Hmm. And I think that there's a strange disconnect between how the Danes perceive Copenhagen and then the reality of it if you come from a, a bigger metropolis. Anywhere else, yeah. I'm, so I missed the... Uh, well, this is the thing. At first, I was struck by the space and, and the quiet. And this is nice. But I actually started to miss the 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 energy like walking through when i used to work in the center of london walking through soho hmm. on a friday oh, night oh it's so vibrant it's there so vibrant and the energy and yeah. stuff and that that's something that i started to sort of miss but at the time i've just become a dad so my world had become very small True. you know I, that was the challenge i had becoming a parent and moving to a new country that you're being pulled into completely opposite directions which i didn't see coming Sure. That was very interesting. so much at that time. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is you're supposed to, I think when you move to a new country, you need to be as selfish as possible because you need to find out what's there for you. What can sure. you get satisfaction out? What can you get sustenance from that affects you? How do you find your feet? You have to be selfish. When you become a parent, you have to be the most selfless you can possibly be. Sure. Right? So it's a weird tension. And I was being pulled in polar opposite directions. So I found it very difficult. Because I wanted to go out and explore hmm. and find uh, uh, my oh, feet sure. in a new home. And then at the same time, I couldn't because I had a tiny baby and, and, and a wife who wasn't working. And we needed to, you know, make all that work as well. So that was a, you're right, kind of in the eye of the storm as well when you become a parent. So you, that's, that, was, that tension was, was a difficult uh, circle to square. It's funny because like, moving away can almost make you look at yourself and where you came from, whether it's London or the, the UK in general, obviously the US for us. It kind of makes us look at where we came from a little bit differently. Every day. Yeah. And it's exhausting. <laughs> yes. I mean, there was another comedian came over once. Uh, I think he was, I can't remember where he was from, but he said, you know, when I, when I go abroad, I'm considered that, that, you know, Romanian guy or whatever. Right. Whereas back home, I'm just a guy. Yes. Right. You know, yes. you don't have to think about your identity when you're in your indigenous sort of land. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm always thinking. And also I get defined by it by others. Like, oh, of course. Oh, you're that British guy. And, and sometimes it really irks me. Because, and always the worst part. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you're a t typical Brit moaning. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And right. I'm, like, I'm like, well, maybe I'm moaning because what you're saying is annoying me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not because I'm British. It's because I'm a human and you're being annoying. Right. right. You know, or this is vexing me. I'm actually quite a positive person. I like being happy. I'm naturally happy. But people go, oh, no, here comes another miserable mm. Brit. And it's like, well, maybe because this has annoyed me. And, just, and, and, I, and so, yeah, I'm, uh, people decide what you are by yeah. virtue of where you're from. Yeah. And, I, and that kind of annoys me because I like to think we all bleed red. You know, yes, and we, sure. all, we all have our own differences. We all have our own cultural identities and, 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 and backgrounds. You can't shake off where you're from. No one exists in a vacuum. Right. But sometimes I think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not the British guy. 
you know, <laughs> but I am. But then sometimes you might lean into it and go, oh, hello. And just like, you know, try and it's be like all, a copper. Exactly. It's going to be all fumbling. Oh, golly, golly, gosh. I'm sort of Hugh Grant kind of thing. I'm, I'm really, really, really sorry about this. I'm so sorry about this. It's right. Like, <laughs> just to be polite and apologetic, and hopefully they won't mind that you're trying to take something. Right. It's the British way. Yeah. Well, that's how we got things like the Elgin marbles. <laughs> right, we, right. I'm so sorry. Do you, mind if we, do you mind if we have these? Thank you very much. <laughs> right. right. I'm so sorry. You know. Yeah, I, I was at a, a networking event recently, and somebody said to me, um, Oh, I really like you, and I don't usually like Americans. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, wow, that's um, that's honest. But then you say, well, I Thank really you. like you too, and normally I don't like judgmental people. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. You know, it's like it's such a strange thing. Right. Why people feel the need to put a caveat on it? Yeah, right. You know, I thought all Brits were miserable. Right. It's like, well, what? Well, why? Yeah. I, I was at the same event, and a guy kept saying over and over how he was the best designer, the best designer. Oh, I'm the best in, in what? Oh, in everything. I can design anything. And then uh, later in our conversation, he said, "We well, you know Americans brag a lot. And I was like, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I barely told you one thing about me. <laughs> but there is a reason for that because there's that. Because we're the best at it. Yeah, we're so good at bragging. So, we can brag better than anybody absolutely. else. <laughs> but you know, but your culture is, you know, self-promotion is so key to the culture. It, sure. it, and it, this, you can stem back to the pioneer spirit. Of course. Uh, the glass right. is half full and we filled it, by the way. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that's, in, and, and people have learned to do that because in a, in, a, in a country so densely populated where there's so much competition, uh, then you have to shout loud than everyone else to get recognized. And, oh, th and that, so. that so. taps into, you know, my profession in the past. And that is actually something that I find difficult about being here. Hmm. Where they really don't like any kind of self promotion. Don't whatsoever. stand out. They, don't, no, no, don't hmm. stand out. Yenta law, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with Liverpool style, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and, and 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 that I found a real challenge. And then it's sort of like, um, but then everything is kind of word of mouth, self promotion on the sly, but only really for the local native, like, they, like yeah. it's hard if you're international because you do have to work harder mm -hmm. to get those same bonds and those same connections yes because the connections have been and you so, don't have time to build no. a 10-year friendship to no, you, find the right network exactly and i think that's the biggest challenge absolutely yeah. the biggest challenge a lot of expats face is the fact you know danes have been friends since they would like two. right and yeah. i've noticed this and now my children are going to sort of uh, you know vokstu bernahelm and then going to school they're, they're literally it's like a boot camp for friendship sure and they spend their so time together of course they come out the other side friends you know, but therefore they go, we have enough friends now. We don't need any more. Right. right. And, and I went to different schools at different ages. In the UK, I went to a school from the age of four to, you know, seven. Then I went somewhere else from seven to 11, then 11 to 18, and then university. And my friends sort of are from different points in my time. And then yeah. I have a lot of friends from work. And I'm, in front, I believe I'm a culture where your friends are who you connect with, mm -hmm. who you have chemistry with, who bring something to the table, regardless of whether you met them last week. Yes. You know, or 30 years ago. And I think there's a certain hardwiring in Danish culture where it's like, no, these are my friends and I don't need any more. I can have acquaintances, but mm -hmm. I don't need to. And, and I think that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah. Because then people, my point being, people from the outside find it very difficult to connect. Sure. Hmm. And so, you know, I d most of my friends, for instance, I've been here eight years. I would say that 90% of my friends aren't Danes. Yeah, true. same here. Um, and I'm fine with that. Because I don't believe the expat community is kind of, you know, the old cliche of sort of gettering themselves off just, you know, watching English mm. stuff and, and drinking Stella Artois and screaming at <laughs> their wives. I think that um, what's interesting is I, I always say I think the international community splatters a little bit of color over all this gray. Yeah, I, I find it much more interesting to be in a room full of five people from five different countries because they bring a very interesting perspective on life. Sure. Absolutely. And I find if you're a room where it's just Danes then the conversation will very soon drift to summer houses. <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 you know and, and it just gets a little homogenized.
And yeah. I just, I just, you know, London's a multicultural place. Yeah, of course. And so I miss that. And so to, you can harness that by embracing the expat community. I think because of that, it, it is all of those things combined. Uh, you know, you do have to be more outgoing and, but also a bit warmer and a bit because you, and maybe even a little bit of self-promotion because you have to compete with other people for those friendships. Self-promotion is key to what I do. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it has to be. It's sure, what I right. do for yeah. a living. It's what, you know, I spent years in the UK, 20 years working to build up a little black book of contacts and yeah. people know who you are. So they will, I'm yeah. a freelancer, so they will contact you for work. And if you're not available for one job, they'll contact someone else. Sure. So you have to remain top of mind for people. So again, I have no problem with it. You don't have to be arrogant when you do self-promotion. I think mm. there's a difference between self-promotion and bragging sometimes yeah, too. Yeah. And I think how do you get anywhere in life without being, you know, nobody else is going to, I, I'm not hiring a PR agency for yeah, myself. No, 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 I have no. to be my own. So if I don't let people know that I can do certain skills or tasks or, you know, bring something to the table, why would they be my friend or hire me for something or whatever it might be? Absolutely. You know, it's nice to be thought of. Yeah, yeah. And, it's essential to be thought you of. You have sometimes. to do that. You know, uh, America is a bit more individualistic, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in all circumstances. No, I, I would agree too. I, I want to make it clear, like, you know, I, you know, when it comes to equality, race, gender, sexuality, absolutely, to totally great. We all bleed red, right? Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. Make the most of what you can. Be kind. Life is about being kind to others. I get yep. that. But like I said, certain ways that the Danish culture is wide, I think sometimes uh, funnels, don't stick your head in the Yenderlaw thing, don't stick your head above the parapet. But I also think that they can also neglect the people who are really struggling because they ultimately sort of mm. cultivate this middle path. Mm. where they don't want people to stand out, everyone should be kind of homogenized in the middle. And I think the danger of that is that people, and I'm mindful of this with my kids at school, is that you know people who excel at something they can be ignored and people that struggle can get ignored because they, 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 they're catering for the middle path. They're oh, catering sure. for everything being Liverpool you know, And some of us don't like Liverpool style. <laughs> um, and I think if you are good at something, you should be allowed to shine and nurture and encouraged to be the best you can be at something. And if you're really struggling, you should also be able to get the help you need to get where you need to go. Um, and I think that there is there seems to be less of a, um, I suppose, less tolerance is the wrong word, but there's there's less of a, they're less accommodating to the extremes. Sure. sure. So how do you square that circle? I mean, obviously your your children are half British, half Danish mm. growing up here. How do you try to blend those two pieces together? And I, do, you, do you feel like you can to make maybe a better whole? Well, yeah, I, I, I think there are so many things that the, um, I think a lot of the benefits of Denmark are pastoral. Mm. They're not necessarily cultural. Right, and I think that's what attracts a lot of people to it. So you mm. know, you, everyone is looked after much better than in the sure. UK, and that's the downside of the self, the individual thing. Sure. You can you can easily just fall through the cracks in that respect. Um, you know, I, I I like the way that, that you know they're encouraging my children to be you know to be uh, kinder, good citizens. That's important, and that certainly wasn't present in my education at school. Mm. Um, but I also want to encourage my kids to, if they want, if they find something they're interested in or they like or they're good at, I really want to encourage them to be as good as they can possibly be. Mm. Really shine. Working hard proud. and uh, working hard and achieving and excelling does help the community as well. <laughs> yes, as does competition. As does competition. If there's sure. no pressure for anyone to get yeah. better, no one's going to get better. Yeah. And that might be fine if you. Someone said to me once that a lot of a lot of the way Denmark works works really well if you're born into it. Sure. Oh, yeah. If you're not born into it, you will never to be questioned it by virtue of being from another place that has different <laughs> ways of operating. Yes. Right. And I think that's where you have challenges of being an expat. So some people will go, well, I didn't think about it. Well, I think this is the way to do it. It's like, well, maybe it is, and you probably might be right. But have you thought about maybe there's something to be said for this? Yeah. And I think that's that's the tension.
Yeah. And, and things are not necessarily better or worse. They're just different. They're just different. A lot of times yep. it's just different. Well, one way that I think um, the cultures, especially in uh, in the UK, maybe have some overlap with, with Danish culture is in sort of the, the comedy and the humor. And obviously, since that's a lot of what you do mm. and a lot of your interests, that's probably where you find a little more common ground. Sometimes. Sometimes really not. That's <laughs> interesting. Like There's a darkness, I think, that we have a, uh, the Danes and the Brits have a very robust sense of humor mm. where there's very few things off topic that you can't joke about, mm. right? But I think what I find interesting is the Danish humor, because Denmark's a monoculture, because it hasn't had the same pressure put on its uh, comedians to develop and perform, sometimes Danish comedy can feel like where British comedy was 40 years ago. Okay. So it can be a little, like, put it another way, I've been hosting a comedy night for seven years in this country, and it's international. It's in English. But nine times out of ten, if an act comes on that bombs, turns the room to ice, it'll be a Danish comic trying comedy oh. in English because their material just won't fly with a multicultural audience. And they will come off stage scratching their head going, I don't understand it. I was in Comedy Zoo on Friday night and this killed. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, well, who was in the audience on that Friday night at Comedy Zoo? It was probably just a load of white men. Mm, right. right? Where you're in an international spectrum where you've got people of um, every gender and sexual persuasion, different age, everything in between from all over the world. And uh, they'll be from places where you just can't joke about X or Y. I won't use specifics. Um, but I've seen it time and again where Danish comedians will go, I don't, and it's like, it's almost like it's kind of, the rebellious streak in Danish comedy sometimes feels a little bit teenage, like they're sure. kicking against yeah. things. Yeah. And it's almost a bit juvenile. I'm not saying we're sophisticated, mature, elder states people of comedy, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like, really? You're doing that? That's a bit cheap. Yeah. Because th comedy is about, um, I think, is about never punch down. Sure. Always sure. punch up. Yeah. And a lot of comedy, in the same to the extent for free speech, is about context and intent. Mm -hmm. what is the context and the intent of what's being said why are you making that joke mm. why have you written that sketch what's your observation about and I think that so often if it becomes you're just being nasty about people from Greenland are you not specific but, yeah. and I've <laughs> seen comedians do that you know again I'm not going to mention anyone it's like oh people from Greenland stinky what are you doing yeah if you wouldn't get away with that if you were talking about the indigenous population of America or, yeah. or, or people from you know the UK having a pop at some, you know it's a it's not punching down. Also, it's mm. just I know sometimes to me that just seems like cheap. Like really if you cheap. if you can't be funny without being misogynistic or mm. borderline racist, like that's not dark humor. That's just dumb humor. Like yeah, and it, I think that's the difference. Um, and I don't think necessarily it's the Danes' fault. It's because of the nature of the, the it's not. As mature, especially if you can't take it, you know, and you yeah, can yeah. only dish it. Because they'll go, oh, you can't. It's that whole thing about, well, you can't say anything anymore. It's like, well, you can. Well, you but can. I'm asking, <laughs> why would you want to go down that road? It's really lazy. Yeah, um, sure. So that's the thing. I think the shared. I think Danes think this is the Danes think we share a comedy. Us yeah. Brits more than the Brits might do. I've heard that from other British Have comics you? as well, yeah. You can go to dark places, but I think if you place yourself at the butt of that joke, if you're not punching down, mm. and you make yourself right. the one who's confused right. or perplexed or in the wrong or out of sorts, or anything, then that's the way you, I believe you can joke about anything. Right. It's, anything, it's just how you do it. Who's the butt of the joke and yeah. who's... Context yeah. and intent. Right. Um, but right. the trouble is, the tension we have now with the culture wars is... Um, there are people younger than ourselves who actually make a point of saying no, no, context and intent don't matter. Mm. And I really believe that they do. And I think that's one of the yeah. central. That's one of the central tenets held by you know you know international law about about hate speech. Mm. Sure. And I think it's important to hold on to that and not forget it. 
my Danish friends will often say, oh, it's about it's about uh, intent. It's about but I think it's because in the US and maybe in the UK a bit, we focus more on the person receiving the joke. Mm-hmm. How are they going to receive it? Mm-hmm. It's not as much about how me as the deliverer of that joke or that bit of humor, even if it's just a, a comment at, in the in the canteen. Mm-hmm. Danes worry about, oh, but my intent was this. So you should know my intent without thinking about the receiver <laughs> of yeah, that yeah. joke. So the emphasis is on the person delivering it, not the person receiving it. But in the Ooh. U.S., we focus on the person receiving it. And not necessarily in a way to censor ourselves, but, uh, you know, Danes will say, oh, but now you've upset me because I feel like I can't be myself. Yeah. And I can't just say uh, whatever I want. But nobody can just say whatever they no. want free of, free, of consequences. free of consequences. And yeah. I think that's a very good point. I think there's a, there's a natural showman aspect to American culture where mm. they are more mindful of an audience. Yeah, I think it's in nature that you see most American comedians like you know they'll be a bit more suited and booted and a bit sharper and aware of the showmanship. They won't shuffle sure. on stage looking like they've just got up, right? And right. going on about you know about rape, you know. And it's like, <laughs> right. What right. are you doing? Right. What are you doing? And it's about status. You come on being high status, coming across, you're going to come across as sort of a, a dangerous alpha that's being misogynistic. I think that's very interesting because, like I said, comedy is a dialogue. It's a two-way yeah. thing. Even if you're making a joke in a canteen, I mean, r- the three w- read the room. And we have those yes. outlets. We have those comedians or those uh, radio hosts mm. that are considered like a shock, shock jock, jock, where yeah. they would talk about those things that are a little bit shocking. So it's not that those spaces don't exist, but when you're trying to do something that's universally funny in a comedy club in the U.S., I think it's a little bit more like, well, then the joke should be funny to everyone be, and offensive. Yeah. To almost none, yeah, because if yeah. and the best way is making yourself the butt of the joke. You, you have know, to because self-deprecation and self-irony is a big part of Danish humor, from what I'm told. But sometimes it seems like the audience is supposed to self-deprecate. Yeah. Otherwise, it when becomes, they receive it. exactly. Otherwise, it becomes essentially bullying. Yes, yeah, you know, and I and I think you know, punch up, be yeah, smart, yeah. for heaven's sake. It's that it's not difficult, mm. and it's proven to work 100 percent of the time. But I think some people just think, oh, no, I just want to be shocking because I want to be able to say whatever because of free speech. And this yeah. is where we sure. are. It's like, but it's like, well, why are you saying it? Right. right. Shocking isn't funny on its own accord. No, and nobody, owes, nobody owes you a laugh. Or, no, no, no exactly. Know? But then <laughs> that, that co- I think that complex nuance, the fact we're having this conversation, I don't think would happen in a Danish green room. Sure. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm not sp- I, I am talking in general terms, but we all talk in general terms all the time. It's called conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I think there's a much more nuanced take to comedy. How about some of the reverse on the cultural side? Because obviously there's a lot of Danish things that have become quite popular in the UK, especially Danish noir TV and yeah, yeah. shows and things like that. So how do you think that cultural connection has happened? What is it maybe that the British audiences see in, in Danish material that they like? The weather. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it feels I, commonality it does, there. Doesn't it? If right. you if endless sheet rain beating yes. down on you, um, and that's why they're so. I think there's a jaded cynicism to. If you watch the Nordic noirs, you know, mm. you watch the bridge or whatever. You know, there's a certain sense of inevitability. It's mm. quite existentially bleak, where they just shrug off another body. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I and I, I think the Brits quite like that. I think there's a certain sense where the Brits like a kind of. Uh, this is oh, this has happened again. Typical, mm. you know, because we're in a post-imperial funk as a country. Anyway, the Brits are like, you know, with the glasses half empty, and I didn't want the drink in the first place. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes, and I think that that darkness—that's where the darkness. Actually, I think I think it's a, I think comedy's a red herring. I mm. think the darkness that we do share when it comes to things like drama, because we do a lot of, you know, we like doing gritty 
gritty dramas. The BBC and mm-hmm. Channel 4 have made some excellent ones over the decades. We also do that line in Cozy Murder, as they call it, the Sunday afternoon stuff, like mm. you know, Barnaby, as they call it here, with the Midsummer Murders. It's all from the Agatha Christie days. Oh, right. right? Yeah. You know, that Cozy Murder. It's almost like, isn't it cute that vicar just beat that woman to death because this right. old woman is going to solve who did it, yeah. right? You know, and, and, I, and I have some reason we like that. But I think there is a, something where we, we do like people in raincoats just mumbling in the rain. Mm. And, and I think there's a lot of that in, you know, in, 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 in Denmark. In, in Denmark. <laughs> and the Nordic, the Nordic, you know. Yeah. I think because the way it's acted as well is kind of very downplayed. There's a lot of that kitchen sink. Mm. drama too which we we Brits kind of like so I think there's a connection there in the mood it's a bit dour it's a bit depressing and ultimately aren't we all evil (laughs) I feel like it's always like there's also a second order kind of dourness too because it's not just that there's another murder happening it's another murder happening and my wife is leaving me oh, and yeah. my kids hate me and like it's it's like there's those layers of dourness that just they're kind piling of, it on and yes. i also think a lot of that is people do watch these things to feel better about their own life sure yeah. because, well, at, least, at least i'm not having to solve a murder as right. my marriage collapses right because <laughs> that's a lot of pressure so i think that there's a connection there is is, is we, we can be quite miserable and cynical the mm. cynicism is the word I've been fumbling around trying to yeah, find. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that, that, that carries a lot. I think, you know, like I said, uh, uh, there is a contrast between you guys. America and British is, you know, we, we are in this sort of, you know, you have the pioneer spirit. You mm. go out and get everything, which is why I think you can be even more about celebrating individual success. Mm. Whereas the Brits, whereas we have it a little bit, not as much. Whereas we are a culture that is slightly on its knees at the moment. <laughs> sure. But then also we well, I wouldn't last. say that like that. Well, it's United States tough. is flying high. You're right. You're right. Well, I mean, you, you are know. a bit of a hold my beer on yeah. that front when it comes to <laughs> right. our leaders, right? Right. But you but know, at least but, we have Beyonce. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we don't have Beyonce. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> but we welcome Beyonce. <laughs> um, and I think so. That's that's part of it. I think we're a bit like, oh, we used to be. Way. I mean, but recently, you look at the soft power the Brits had in the nineties. You know, when it was Cool Britannia, when it was yeah. Britpop and everything. And we had a huge amount of soft power. The currency we had culturally. Mm-hmm. And it was the last, arguably pre-internet, the last decade where the tribes mattered. Mm. Because yeah. it wasn't all homogenized by the internet. But, you know, the music you chose and the right. things you wore, be it grunge or house or yeah. Britpop or whatever or dance, was, was important and vital. And it's all sort of, we don't have that anymore. But I'm still intrinsically linked to my homeland. <laughs> something you can't untether yourself from. No. Emotionally, culturally, it's... I never realized how British I was till I moved away from there. Yeah. Mm. I didn't realize how I was just very, very, very British. But it makes sense. I mean, you don't, it sounds like you can't prove a negative. <clears throat> like, it's suddenly you have to prove who you are. When you're in your homeland, you don't have to prove who you are. You just are. Yeah. And I try and be authentic to myself. You sure. know, I, I try and be a bit, you know, Nietzsche about it all, you know, and try and be, you know, and, and admit my limitations, a bit mm-hmm. my failings. You know, it's like, you know, it's like me, the fact that I don't, I, eight years in and I don't speak Danish. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I just, I, I don't, I don't have the time to learn it. It's very difficult. My social life doesn't require it. My work life doesn't require it. And my family life doesn't require it. And with all of the will in the world, when I'm not working during the day, I'm doing shows in the evening and I'm writing a book and I'm managing two small kids with my wife. I have probably half an hour to myself a week. I'm just not going to spend it in a classroom right now. I'm just not. It was tough when we, that's part of the decision that we had when we left Danish lessons was, you know, we're at a point where uh, for us at that time, we had to decide if the, the expat contract that we came here on was over. So we could either localize mm. uh, or go back to the U.S. And if we didn't go back to the U.S., there was no job promised for Mike. We moved here for his job. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, if we're going to live here, 
then we need to have some friends and get involved in some things. We can't do Monday and Wednesday night classes in Danish school and Sproul school and do homework the other two nights a week. Right. Because there was homework the other yeah, two nights a week. Yeah, because we all did it. We and, all, I had yeah, classes when yeah. I moved here. Yeah, I signed yeah. up. And, and so it was like, Danish. so four nights a week learning Danish to also then potentially go home uh, within six months <laughs> or really make an effort to connect, network, and lay down roots to see if we actually want to live here. And that's why ultimately we had to you know, kind of put it so, on the back. So much more important. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would add an extra layer on that. I'm a writer, right? Mm -hmm. I could never do what I do in Danish. No, yeah, no. sure. I mean, to be a, uh, to, no matter if I got fluent, no matter how fluent I got in Danish, to be a good writer, you have to be inside the language to know yes. how to subvert the language, right? Yes. The and number so, of people I know who have passed uh, Peretzle and, and have taken the Danish test from the government to, you know, give them the ability to get a Danish passport if they wanted to, but don't feel comfortable speaking Danish, especially with Danes, pretty much everybody I know that's passed it won't <laughs> speak it. Yeah. And even if they have Danish stepkids or things like that, they communicate in English because... It's, well, you do. It's, 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 unless you're perfect and flawless, it's just almost not worth it. I know. I think so. And, and it's, you're not really allowed to say it, but I think it's true. Um, and I, I don't apologize for it anymore. And I get actually yeah. quite annoyed when people say, well, you should. You should. It's like, should I? Well, you should mind your own business. <laughs> right. It's actually none of your business why I don't speak Danish. I mean, I'm sorry it makes you. Why should I learn something to make you feel less uncomfortable? Yeah. Because I guarantee your English will be better than my Danish. And, right. and I'm happy to work with us in a dialogue. We can switch between the two. I understand a lot of Danish. Yeah. Because I've lived yeah. here for eight years. But I don't feel comfortable speaking it. Yeah. I can't speak it. That's why it, I don't feel comfortable speaking. Not a lot of, <laughs> right. There's not a lot of grace given. Uh, well, this is a theory of what come up from with. from like as a language, like as somebody like speaking a second language. You know, uh, I don't necessarily feel safe. No, speaking. I like, can't communicate. Myself. I don't like getting laughed at. I don't no. like getting mocked. I don't like. But I have a theory. No, and that, I have that too. I, I feel self-conscious. But I think yeah. the day and there's a concept I come up with, which I base this on nothing, but I stand by this. It's called <laughs> cognitive elasticity. Right. Mm -hmm. You and I, we have cognitive elasticity because we have heard our language spoken with 500 different exactly. dialects. Oh, yes. We speak to someone with the thickest Karachi accent in English. We'll understand what they're saying. Yeah. The Danes are not used to hearing anyone yeah, speak exactly. Danish who aren't Danish. By so no fault of their own. No fault of their yeah, own. Yeah. But when they hear it, you get a word slightly wrong and they'll go, well, they do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, come on. I remember having to try to say no, bro, about four times to someone at a <laughs> wedding once before they understood what I was talking about. And I was like, what? And they went, oh, you mean Nordbro? I was like, what did you think I said? Yeah. Right. Meet me halfway here. This is why I'm not comfortable doing it because yeah. I feel so self-conscious and it's not comfortable and I'm just trying to get through the day here. Hey, you, you do have to listen harder <laughs> when somebody's speaking a second language. Even that's the, exhausting. Even the three of us have different... You know, we're all speaking the same language. We have the same mother tongue, but we all speak it with different accents. Mm. You yeah. know, even Mike has an upstate accent that yeah. maybe not even I thought it was yeah. a bit posh yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. posher than I've never been called posh in my life I'll take that <laughs> it's all relative yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, you know something that we're we're very used to and I, I get it it's just mm -hmm. not uh, not something everybody maybe uses. one day I'll make a deal I'll, I'll learn it when it gets easier there you go there <laughs> you yeah. go Adrian, thank you so much for uh, your time. We'll keep working on the Danish. We'll keep uh, looking out for your book in January. Yes. And uh, can you tell everybody where we can find you? Um, well, you can find me on, on social media. I'm on Instagram, Adrian underscore Makinder, M-A-C-K-I-N-D-E-R. Uh, you can see me on stage throughout Copenhagen and indeed Denmark and other countries. I perform stand-up and I'm also part of an improv duo uh, called If These Walls Could Talk. We have an Instagram page called Walls Improv. It's with... Uh, uh, Sarah McGillan, who is hands down the best 
improv performer in Denmark, possibly anywhere. Brilliant. And I'm, I'm honoured that she's my improv partner. She's also my best friend in this city. So I perform with her. Uh, she's part of a in, inconspicuous comedy is the improv group that she 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 runs that company and I'm part of that too I'm proud to be part of that so stand up uh, improv uh, if these walls could talk with Sarah McGillan on social media there's only one Adrian McKinder <laughs> I'm not saying that arrogantly there literally is so if you google my name it will be me find me follow me uh, like me I'm a needy <laughs> performer uh, buy my books uh, borrow my books just read something just read um, and it'd be very nice uh, to, to, to say hello if you ever come to the shows I'm at uh, thank you Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for being here. And if you're enjoying What Are You Doing in Denmark, we have one more tiny favor. Please give our show a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're using so that others will find us too. Thanks. 